Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Want to teach your kids financial literacy but not sure where to start? Greenlight can help. With Greenlight, parents can keep an eye on kids' spending and saving, while kids and teens use a card of their own to build money confidence. As a parent, you can send instant money transfers, set up chores, automate allowance, and more. It's a convenient way to run your household, customized to your family's needs, and the easy way to raise financially smart kids. Get started with Greenlight today and get your first month free at greenlight.com ACAST. Welcome to the Great Coaches Podcast. To me, being perfect is not about that scoreboard out there. This is a chance of lifetime. When you can understand the person, you can then work towards a common goal. We are all on the same team. Now you roll and do it to the best of your ability. Focus on the fundamentals. We've gone over time and time again. Your defense has got to be better. Leave no doubt tonight. Great moments are born from great opportunity. Hello and welcome to the Great Coaches Podcast, where we believe that there is no algorithm for leadership, and so we interview great sports coaches from around the world to try and find ideas to help all of us lead our families, our colleagues, and our teams better. Our great coach on this episode is Cheryl Reeve. Cheryl is a basketball head coach and general manager for the Minnesota Lynx of the WNBA. She has led the team to championships in 2011, 13, 15 and 2017. She is one of only two coaches in the WNBA history to have a winning percentage over 60 in regular season games. In addition, she has the highest winning percentage of any coach in the WNBA postseason. She has also been an assistant coach for Team USA at the 2016 and 2021 Olympic Games, helping them to gold medals, and in 2022 was appointed head coach of the team that then went on to win the World Championship. Cheryl is a force for change in the sporting world, and the highlights from me from our discussion were her belief that the single most important thing we do as leaders is the selection of people that we're going to involve in our journey. The key lesson she learned about In her words, increasing her coaching box and leaving room for people to express their own personalities. And the importance of taking the time to understand what's happening around you if you want to bring a focus on diversity and inclusion into your organisation. This was a terrific conversation, although a little short as Cheryl was pressed for time, but I hope you enjoyed as much as we did. Here at the Great Coaches Podcast, we're working to create one of the world's best leadership libraries from the lessons our interview guests share with us. 
you can help support our project and get access to the Leadership Lessons episodes where we collate insight and wisdom from the great coaches on key topics like culture, vision or behaviours, as well as other exclusive content by joining our Patreon community. All the details on how you can help be part of our journey are in the show notes. And now, please enjoy our interview with Cheryl Reeve. You're listening to The Great Coaches Podcast. Good morning, Cheryl Reeve, and welcome to The Great Coaches Podcast. Good morning, Paul. I'm super excited to to be here and be a part of this. Cheryl, you've had a wonderful career. You've experienced some wonderful coaches face-to-face and close-up. And there's people like Ann Donovan, Dan Hughes, Gino Oriema, and of course, Dawn Staley and Sandy Brondello. The list is very lengthy. And I'm wondering, from this perspective, what is it you think the great coaches do differently that sets them apart? Well, I think along my journey, and I, I had the great opportunity, uh, while, while I was being an assistant coach in the WNBA, I didn't necessarily uh, see it as opportunity. I was probably a bit impatient and wanted my opportunity to be a head coach. Uh, but the silver lining in that is I spent 10 years in the WNBA uh, sort of watching uh, not only uh, pro basketball, uh, women's and men's, uh, but also, you know, you just you have a chance when you're an assistant coach to kind of look around. And, you know, if you do it right, you, you collect notes and, and you uh, take advantage of the time that you have, uh, because once you become a head coach, uh, things get a little bit more cloudy, if you will. You know, as they say, you can't see the forest or the trees type of thing when you become a head coach. And so uh, I thought it was important to, you know, sort of take note uh, about what what greatness um, entails. Uh, And I really think that probably at the root of it is the ability for a leader uh, to not only motivate uh, their personnel, uh, but also I have found that one great players want to be coached. Uh, so you have to understand that, that they want to be pushed. They want to be driven. That's why they're great. Uh, and then I think uh, accountability, holding people accountable. Um, and, and so uh, I think that sometimes coaches fall into holding people accountable where it's safe um, and maybe not the great players. And, and so we have always in Minnesota, uh, if it was Maya Moore or Simone Augustus or Lindsay Whalen, uh, I probably held them more accountable uh, than some of the others. And uh, so I think that a uh, combination of those things, I think certainly uh, lean, lean into uh, the idea of being great. Cheryl, what's interesting about your background is it's not just basketball. You're a Rhodes Scholar nominee. You have a bachelor's degree in computer science and MBA. Whilst being a head coach, you've also been a general manager. And so I'm just wondering, what is it you wish they could have taught you about leadership when you were back in college, but they didn't? Wow, that, that's a good question. Um, you know, and if it's, it's been a while <laughs> since I was in college uh, and, and getting that, those degrees. Um, I don't necessarily know if they didn't teach it, Paul. I think it might have been when you're young, you're unaware maybe of what they're, what they're teaching. I, I have a few nuggets from when I was a player turned coach, my, my first season. Uh, there's a couple of things that, that stick out. Um, I think in terms of maybe lessons that were being taught, whether it was intentional or not. Um, and, and one of the things that I, I use um, now as a mentor is when John Miller, who was my head coach at LaSalle university 
when I became a graduate assistant coach, my, my first coaching opportunity, uh, I remember uh, John would be in his normal, uh, you know, Coach Miller was in his normal coaching position, which was on one knee uh, with his elbow up uh, on his knee, watching, you know, the repetitions, uh, you know, in the half court. And I was knelt down next to him. And uh, I remember having frustration with uh, maybe a player and, you know, voicing that frustration. And he said, this was all in the midst of a play. Uh, he says, Cheryl, here's something that you'll have to learn. Your box right now is about this big. And he made a very small box with his, with his, with his hands. And he said, and you're going to have to learn that in coaching, you're in leading, your box is going to have to, to grow bigger as far as what you learn to accept uh, in terms of different personalities and, and players. And I did not know that that was going to be a lesson <laughs> that I would that I would use repeatedly. And uh, I, I, you know, I say it to him all the time, you know, it is something that uh, has stuck out with me that um, I, it, you do it when you're younger, you know, it's, it's like the, probably a version of sweat and the small stuff. Uh, and that's, you know, that's uh, probably things that were taught to me that I didn't know at the time uh, were going to be leadership lessons. Well, you took that learning and you traveled along on your journey. And then in 2009, you get to the links but it's in 2011 when your first championship comes. And I'd be really interested to know, Cheryl, what were some of the things that you did when you first started in your role with the Lynx that ultimately led to that championship? Yeah, I, I you know, my first season uh, in, in 2010, I began after being an assistant coach for uh, 10 years. You know, I was, I was more than ready, <laughs> as they say, I I, I had binders of ideas <laughs> that I said, okay, it's my time. I'm going to put all of this and, and here we're going to, we're going to go. And, and, you know, if I were to pop in some video of the 2010 team, my first team, um, I might've, I might be yelling at myself going, what are you doing? What are you running that for? What, what were you guarding it like that for? Uh, so you have these visions of what you think it's going to be. Um, and, I would say that that year of sort of taking audit of what we did, um, looking around going, okay, I got to be a much better coach than this. Uh, certainly adding uh, personnel. Um, I think that probably the biggest key, and I say this uh, to every uh, industry where I have a chance to, to speak uh, to leadership, that the single most important thing that we do as leaders is the selection of people that we're going to involve in our journey. And we were very, very fortunate in that the, uh, the existing personnel that we had, like a Simone Augustus at the core of who she is, is a really good person. Uh, so we had some good pieces. We had traded for Lindsay Whalen prior to the start of the 2010 season, of course, a uh, tremendous person. So we had players that were talented, but were really good people. And we had this idea, what does that mean? How does that translate? Well, it means that they're going to think of others first and they're going to put the team first. So everything that we did uh, was to that end. Uh, we, in 2010, fell short of the playoffs. We had the chance to, uh, very, very fortunate, uh, we won the lottery uh, and we won uh, Maya Moore. And what was significant about that uh, certainly is uh, the timing of when your, uh, your fortunes turn uh, where you're not in the playoffs is who could possibly be there in the lottery. We weren't the worst team in the league, 
So we did get lucky. Uh, so luck has certainly played a part of this. Uh, but Maya Moore was the perfect superstar for the culture that we were building. Uh, so we had a convergence of, of a Rebecca Brunson in a dispersal draft uh, of people that were just really hungry uh, to be successful and the, the notion of playing with and for each other, which is when you get that, any coach will tell you, when you have that feeling of it's not about me, it's about you know, the person next to me, it's not about how I feel, it's how are they feeling, um, are we successful, can we challenge each other to, for the good of the team, and we had the perfect storm in the best, best of ways uh, with regard to that. And so I think that, you know, th- those would be the, the, the core values. We had a work ethic. We thought that obviously was going to be important in anything that we did. Uh, we had a passion for what we were doing. Uh, and we cared about each other. I think any, any player or coach in any sport that had a chance to win a championship or, or be really special, whatever the, uh, you know, the pinnacle would be, they will tell you that those characteristics existed on that team. Uh, and it was special. It was a special feeling every time you got together. And for us, the 2011 training camp um, is a training camp I'll never forget because it was palpable in terms of what we had. Uh, did I know that it was going to translate into, you know, six out of seven seasons being in the WNBA finals and, and winning four championships? No, I didn't know that. Uh, but I knew it, it was special and how much they cared about each other and, and uh, just the chemistry that, that they exuded and our, and our fans could feel that. So really, really special. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Cheryl, the WNBA has been around for 27 years now. And for many of those years, you've been involved in the league. But there are still people that criticise it for being a sport that is less than the men's competition. And I know this is still talked about in the mainstream media. But as someone who's been around the league for a large part of its history, what have you learned about developing the resilience needed to deal with this kind of criticism? Well, I think it goes with uh, anything women, if I could say that, Paul, in that uh, for, you know, if you think about societal norms, I believe that's the root of uh, the challenge we have as uh, women in sport. It's, it's the same, whether it's women in politics, women in business, you know, women in sport. It's just, um, I, I would say that some of it is sort of premeditated and there'll always be a faction of society that maybe wants to hold women down. That's always been the case. I don't think that there's any ability to crack that nut, so to speak. Uh, 
uh, I do focus on the people that are uh, understanding that maybe that they didn't realize that they were sort of giving in to societal norms in terms of how they thought about things. And so we challenge them to think differently. And what that means is that uh, men in sport has been around for a long time, more than a hundred years. Women in sport, women in the WNBA has been around for 27 years, as you, as you mentioned. And so if you go back and you look at the NFL, uh, major league baseball, how did those sports become popular? How did they become what they are today? Because they weren't always what they are today. Uh, if you go back and you look at the NFL, the beginning of the NFL, they had to play uh, uh, near a, a, a high school football game because that's what was popular to society. So whether it was before the game, after the game, they needed the high school football game for the draw. The Major League Baseball, what popularized Major League Baseball was media. Media decided that they wanted to make this uh, important. And then with regard to the NBA, if you think about the early years, people didn't go to watch an NBA game. They went to watch the Harlem Globetrotters. And so if you think about an evolution of a league uh, and the fandom that goes with that, it takes a very long time to establish that culture, that norm. Uh, and what I've seen in the course of my time since 2001 is tremendous growth and awareness uh, for women in sport. I think the generation uh, that has come sort of behind uh, my generation, uh, far more open and more visibility towards uh, women in things other than maybe what we were you know, held to be prior, which was to be at home, uh, to be homemakers. Uh, you know, to not be, uh, you know, as educated and certainly in certain fields. Uh, so things have changed. The game has really changed, if, if you will, uh, with regard to women in terms of what we're involved in. Women in leadership, um, we, you know, uh, could be the president of the United States and, and should have been uh, <laughs> not too long ago. Uh, you know, we can be generals in the military. We can be, you know, uh, CEOs of corporations. Like we, we are, we are seeing all that. And though the percentages are still far less than what they should be, if you go back and you, and you go back 40, 50 years, my goodness, have we come a long, long way. Uh, and so I think the societal norm shift is, is what we're seeing. And I think that women um, have been tremendously resilient. Um, and like I said, that goes well beyond uh, sport. We succeed anyway, despite the barriers that are put in front of us. Cheryl, in 2016, your team took a stand against the deaths of Philander Castile and Alton Sterling. And the team wore t-shirts saying, change starts with us. And when I saw those t-shirts, it intrigued me because this saying seems to be at the very core of your philosophy, just as you alluded to in that last answer. So for those listening, what advice would you give them on engaging more with diversity and equity and inclusion as an agenda? Where would you tell them to start? Well, I think sort of where our, our team started um, in that we, we saw something happening. The Flandos Castillo and Alton Sterling were not, that wasn't new. That was you know, uh, 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 in a long number of police officer involved uh, shootings uh, that led to a person's death. And so I think you, you sometimes reach an inflection point. And um, I would say because Simone Augustus was from Baton Rouge, uh, because Philando Castile uh, was just outside of uh, Minneapolis, it hit 
uh, closer to, to home uh, for us. And I think when you, you know, sometimes when you, when you see it around you, I sort of knew that this particular issue, um, criminal justice reform, uh, social justice issues, were things that were on the minds of our players. Uh, and, and that probably came from being in the league for a long time. And um, I think, um, ex- you know, being exposed to issues uh, allows you to understand maybe what's happening around you and, and you're, you know, outside of your world. I could easily have uh, said as a white female um, that I'm not profiled when I go to a department store. Uh, I could have easily said, well, that doesn't affect me. I don't, you know, I don't, um, you know, have any, any need to uh, enact change there. I think what it takes as a leader is to, is to look around uh, those that you are um, mentoring and leading and empowering. And I think it's a responsibility for the leader to know uh, what the issues are, not just for the group, uh, but I, I find it really important. Each person kind of what are they about what matters to them and I try to insert myself into like the idea of like a, like I want to know their family and I want to know like what is it what does it feel like to be this person and uh, what they value and I think if you if you take the time to do that if you spend the time and you learn about families you learn about their paths uh, you start to really kind of understand what's important to them and and I think the idea that when this happened, I knew it was something that are, was on the players' minds, and I felt like I needed to make it safe for them as a leader to use their voices in a way that could be construed as controversial. And we had to have the courage to do that. And we wanted to sort of stand up and say, you need to talk about this, because if we don't talk about this, there's not going to be change. It'll just continue to be the norm. And, uh, and I think that was sort of, you know, the conversation they all, you know, whether it was Maya or Simone, uh, Lindsay, Rebecca, um, it, it was it was just a uh, feeling that the time was now and that we wanted to start conversations uh, about what was happening and to see if we could in some way, some small way, uh, begin to change what was happening uh, to black and brown communities with regard to policing. Cheryl, you've been very generous carving out this time for us, as I know you're getting ready to finish up the season. So perhaps just one question to finish. Before I get to the question, I'd like to read a quote from you. And you say, when you look back, you can take the easy route. You can just be an athlete, which is silly. We all have a voice. When all is said and done, what do you want to be known for? Now, in fact, you alluded to this in your last answer, but Cheryl, to finish with, I'd like to ask you, when it is all said and done, what is it that you hope that you're known for? Well, gosh, <laughs> that's, that's pretty loaded. I, I, I think, you know, I think the most special times are not when they ran a play and, 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 and it was executed perfectly. And sure, that feels good as a coach. That's why you get into it. Uh, I think it's really more about do do we have a uh, long-lasting, life-changing experience, um, and and life-changing in that can we can we be in each other's lives for the rest of our lives because it was so special. 
uh, not just a championship team because you're always going to be connected. Uh, I think the experiences that you have, could I, did I teach them, just did I teach them one thing that was valuable in their life? This the way that John Miller uh, uh, taught me. Is there a life lesson? Did they feel valued as a person, first and foremost? Um, so I think the legacy, I think, you know, you hope that you challenge them to be the greatest player they could be, but they knew how much they were valued as a person. I think that would be utopia. Utopia, long-lasting, life-changing experience, accountability and motivation. I think that's a pretty good place for us to finish. Cheryl, it's been a fantastic interview. Thank you for carving out the time today and, and I wish you all the best for the season ahead. Oh, thank you so much, Paul. And uh, thanks for thinking of me to be on the podcast. You've been listening to the great coach, Cheryl Reeve. I hope you enjoyed our interview with Cheryl and found a few ideas that you can bring to your own dinner table, locker room or boardroom table for discussion. When I listened back, the other key highlights for me were how she challenges people to think differently about what women are capable of in sport, politics or business. Her views on how the great coaches can motivate their personnel, and they do this through finding a way to drive each individual, and her desire to leave a legacy of having provided people with a long-lasting, life-changing experience. I hope you enjoyed this as much as we did. And just before we go, if you have any feedback, then please let us know, just like Rob Stewart who, after listening to our episode on purpose, said, A shared purpose can be a powerful driver in a company or organization, but how do you get all involved to align and drive in the same direction? Take half an hour to sit and listen to this engaging conversation. Thanks, Rob. We love the interaction with people from around the world who listen. And so if you have any feedback or comments, then please let us know. And if they're positive ones, then please share them with your friends too. All the details on how you can connect with us are in the show notes or on our website, thegreatcoachespodcast.com. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.